Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris. I'm co-founder of the online magazine, The Refined Woman, and my vision is to create a safe space where we can take off that Superman cape of having it all together and share our stories authentically and honestly. I really believe people are dying for the permission to be vulnerable, to just go there. But it takes someone being willing to go there first. It's my desire to do just that and invite you and others to do the same by removing that shiny mask of perfection and courageously sharing the imperfect journeys of life, spirituality, love, business, and everything in between. Hey friend, today I'm chatting with Texas born and raised Kavanaugh James. Now, if you do not know who Kavanaugh James is, I'm actually going to tell you to pause this podcast, (laughs) go to Instagram, search his name and follow him. Kavanaugh is someone that I've been following on Instagram for several years. He has such this incredible way online of sharing really incredible truth while also mixing it with just amazing humor and being super funny. So that is how I initially found out about who Kavanaugh James is. And he currently is launching his first book, Higher Power Has a Name. And so when I heard that he wrote this book, I just knew I I wanted to connect with him. I wanted to chat with him. Um, and so I slid into his DMs and did just that. And so this interview was just such a joy and such an honor. He just lives what he talks. He's humble. He is being such a voice to the millennial generation for sure. So I relate and resonate with so much of what he has to share. And I am just excited for you to get to know his sass, his truth, and his story. So enjoy this conversation with Kavanaugh James. Welcome to another episode of the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and I am so excited to be chatting with Kavanaugh James today. Thank you for being here, Kavanaugh. Oh, it's such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Um, And thank you for not being freaked out when I slid into your DMs because I was like, I don't know how this is going to turn out. (laughs) No, I mean, it's 2019. Isn't that just kind of the way of the world now? You just, I mean, I, I think so. I, I've, I've met quite a few friends sliding into the DMs and oh. I've followed you for a long time and I just adore your videos. Like they bring me so much life and I'm just so glad that I finally get to talk to you. Well, Not in real life because I'm in my closet in Brooklyn and you're in Texas. And I'm in I'm Texas, so- correct. <laughs> no, that mean, hey, first of all, that means an awful lot. I mean, the the fact that I can just bring a smile or something uh, enjoyable to people's you know face uh, is really I don't know. Just that that's a pleasure. So thank you for saying that. That's exciting. Yeah. And the first thing I want to talk with you about because this is very important to me is your fake songs that you make that <laughs> constantly get stuck in my head on a weekly basis. Well, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> slash, you're welcome. I mean, it's it's a blessing. It really is. But um, your song, um, I was wondering if you could sing it for me because I want to have it on recording for myself. The one that's been stuck in my head is the song that you made up about why you go to parties. 
why I go, oh, 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 Kavanaugh, 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 he's probably just here for the food. He's definitely here for the food. That one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, I don't think I've ever felt so known. I'm like, yes. And where is the ranch dressing? Like, listen, that's a valuable question. And you live in New York, so you know it's hard to come by up there. Um, everyone is such snobs about ranch dressing oh, here. No. Like, when I first moved here, I would go, you know, you used to live in New York. Like, yes, you go to these restaurants, they're like very shishi, bougie. And I'm like, can <laughs> I have ranch dressing? And they're like, no, we have lemon and yes, vinegar homemade. I'm like, do you have mayonnaise? Right. Anything cream-based, I will pour salt and pepper in it. I just need to make my own ranch. Well, and isn't it even more infuriating whenever you say, do you have ranch? And then they say something like, well, we have our version of ranch. And it's like, I don't want your version no. of ranch. I want you to get me ranch. I want the, I want like, so I used to be a waitress at Chili's for a short period of my life. Now y'all have some good ranch. They have, it's like watery. Like, I mean, it's a soup. Really? (laughs) It's like an appetizer. Yeah. I'm like, just give me a straw, Uh give me some ranch. Let's go to town. I'm going to live my best life. Absolutely. (laughs) So one thing I emailed you about when I, after I slid into your DMs, when we started emailing and I was like, I want you on my podcast, I told you, I was like, Hey, um, I really am excited to talk to you, but like, I really want to like, be careful not to like use Christianese because (laughs) there's a, I would say like about half of the people that listen to this, like aren't, aren't Christian. And I just always want people to know that like, there's a seat at the table for them. Of course, which I am exactly on the same page with you. So when you said that, I was like, oh, I got you. (laughs) You got me. But then I read your book and like literally in the first two pages, you talk about Christianese and I was like, (laughs) oh, I'm such a jerk. (laughs) Oh, no, no. You know, I think to me, uh, you know, when I wrote the the book, Higher Power Has a Name and, and it's, uh, it's something that I really wanted it to you know, kind of reach across the aisle with. And so mm-hmm. I give that definition of Christianese for people that didn't grow up in the church like I did, yeah. with, you know, that kind of language, because it really is its own subculture and it mm-hmm. isn't indicative of a relationship with Jesus. It's just a culture that has to do with that. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah, I I didn't grow up in the church, but I grew up in Texas. And so I was around Christian people a lot. Mm-hmm. And it is almost like there's this, like, it is this Christianese, this weird language where you're like, wait, um, you guys are all talking about something, but I have no idea what you're saying. And I feel really excluded right. and ostracized. Right. So I just wanted, as we get started, what are like, what would you say are your top three? Like, what is Christianese, first of all? And what are some things that people say all the time that are Christians? You know, I think that that's a great question. And obviously, you know, like you said, I mentioned it in the book. And so I think it's important to talk about uh, my experience with Christianese was just growing up in and around church, being there on Wednesday you know, night, being there Sunday morning. And a lot of the language that's used in church is trying to kind of steer away from something that could be negative or something that mm-hmm. could be um, hurtful or maybe even remind you of a bad time in your life or something you struggle with. And so there are different ways that we uh, talk that I think just kind of happen by merit of studying the word and kind of being around people of like minds. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we'll say things like, well, you know, it's just been a really tough season. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're not talking about deer season. We're not talking about, you know, fall fashion season. We're not, we're talking about 
a season, uh, meaning a time in our lives that, you know, was actually really difficult. But instead of saying, well, that year was crap or that year mm-hmm. was really difficult, we'll say that was a tough season. Mm-hmm. And so it just gives it a little bit more weight. I think it, it kind of makes it mean more than just a year so that you don't feel as if, you know, you're, um, you're, wasting time. And so that's a small, small example, but you know, Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll go into every area we can with Christianese. It doesn't matter if there's someone that, you know, we don't like necessarily in a room or someone that may be rubbing us the wrong way, you know, that phrase, oh, bless their heart. That's something that's actually a Christianese phrase. People make fun of it being Southern, but it's such a Christianese backhanded way of saying you don't like someone or that you think that they're not smart. You idiot. Like that's like when my dad says, bless your heart, I'm like, that is very rude. And condescending. Yeah. It's it's very much. Yeah. From a seat of like, oh, bless their heart. Mm. They don't know any better. Just you may as well just be patting them on the head. Seriously. So that's a a negative connotation of it, but it goes on all sides of the board. And, you know, obviously we're human, so we'll never use it correctly always. (laughs) Right. Right. Well, and I just think it's, um, it's important and fun just to talk about you know, whatever you believe in, wherever you're at in your life, like when you are around people that you love, like you develop words and phrases that you use with each other. I mean, when I'm with my best friend, Sarah, we instantly have this like language we go into and, or like baby talk. A lot of girls do baby talk. (laughs) Yeah, now y'all need to cut that out. Y'all need to cut that out. I know, be, it's so annoying. <laughs> it is not helping me get a boyfriend. So only doing that in the privacy of our own homes, oh, baby good, talk. good, girl. good. No, I welcome it. You know what? I do crazy, <laughs> stupid voices all yeah. the time. So who am yeah. I? <laughs> yeah, no, but I think it's just like good to, because it can just feel weird when you're like, what is going on? I feel like I'm not in the... In- part of the inside right. joke. Yeah. It feels um, exclusive. Like a, yeah. Exclusive, yeah. Yeah. So now that we know what Christianese is, I want to hear about you, Kavanaugh. Like I want to know where you live, what you do, my your address, mother's maiden you name, the last word of your social. Address. My goodness. My address <laughs> and my social just right here in front of everyone. <laughs> I'll send it privately and I've told you that. <laughs> I know for me, people are like, okay, so Kat, what do you really do with your days? You're on Instagram all the time. You right. blog, like, what do you really do? Right. And so I would just love for you, Kavanaugh, just to paint a picture of your day-to-day life, sure. where you live, like how your days unfold, what you're passionate about. Yeah, absolutely. So I live in a DFW area of Texas and uh, my, my day-to-day right now, my primary job is as a writer. So, you know, I just released this book. And so that has taken up the last kind of bulk of my couple of years. Um, And I also work as a freelance writer for uh, a company that, you know, handles social media for different nonprofits. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, so I do that kind of in between other things, but my day to day is, is really just getting up and seeing whatever I have on the schedule for that day, because it never looks the same. Mm -hmm. I, I travel a lot and I'm fortunate to enough to be able to go out and, and, uh, be with different people at, um, you know, different events. If it's, you know, friends of mine in ministry that are doing conferences and I'm able to go and support them doing that, then I want to be able to do that. If it's, you know, friends that are working elsewhere, doing something else, and I can kind of pop in and be a support system. I, I really love doing that. So writing this book has kind of freed me up to be able to do that. Uh, mm. on the, on the weekend basis, I serve at a church here called Gateway Church on the worship team. And as a writer, uh, as well, I am constantly writing songs mm. and have writing sessions 
throughout the day with different pastors or mentors that I have. Uh, so to be honest, right now, it, it's not a real clear cut and dry. This mm-hmm. is what I'm doing with the bulk of my time because this book has been so much of my focus and mm-hmm. getting it out. You know, I released it just over a month ago. And so it's been kind of a weird uh, thing. You know, you have to let people read the book first, obviously, once right. it comes out and then see how people are responding to it. And so uh, a lot more opportunity has come up in the month for me to start speaking and start sharing my story kind of in a public forum. So, mm-hmm. you know, the last week I've, I've shared probably four different times at different things. Uh, and so it, it kind of <laughs> looks different depending on the day. I know that that doesn't give you a, a big answer, but um, I, I kind of am right now figuring out what my life looks like as an active ministry mm-hmm. and ministry uh, meaning just as someone who can go and, and be actual hands and feet love wherever they are. Yeah. I think that's, I actually love your explanation because I think it can be so hard to, I don't know. I don't know if you feel like this as like an entrepreneur or someone that like you have your hands in several different mm-hmm. things is sometimes I'll feel like I have to defend time spending my time or <laughs> totally. make it like, understand. Oh, I had a meeting. Oh, well, I just really was having lunch with my friend and we both kind of do the same thing and wanted a lunch break together. But I think it's really cool that we live in a time and an age where we can pursue multiple things. And as a creative, which you are Mm -hmm. creative, so your, your creative hand is in a lot of different things. And for me, the kind of where I kind of landed is like, what is my mission? Where do I feel like God is calling me? And I think our entire lives are ministry. Like sure. you do not have to be a, a missionary. You do not have to work at a church to be living your life in service of others. Oh, so for me, it's like the vehicle for that may change on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. I might be wearing the photographer's hat or today I might be doing a podcast. Tomorrow I might be writing content, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, the message remains the same for me. And so that, I think that's been helpful for me because I, for a long time felt like, how do I actually tell people what I do? And I felt, maybe it's that I felt insecure that I had to prove myself to others so that they would think that I was like worthy of my job. I don't know if that resonates. Oh no, it absolutely does. I just had a conversation with another friend about that. And I, you know, the difficult thing with you know, millennial culture or just the fact that, you know, there are so many different ways to make money or to be creative and get a vision out or communicate something, you know, through a book and publish it yourself. Mm -hmm. Like there are so many different kinds of ways for us to be active in a passion. And because it doesn't fit within like a normal eight to five thing there, I I think that I kind of live with um, an innate sense of guilt (laughs) a little bit Mm -hmm. that I have to work through of that, you know, I'm not in the career job that I went to school to get my degree for. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And yeah. and I've just now over the past couple of years started feeling the real freedom and knowing, no, this is this is what I get to enjoy and it's a gift that, you know, I don't have to be doing some job that I'm dreading. Yeah. Uh, but it it does force you, to, you know, to be active in a different way and to mm-hmm. to really take care of your stuff in a different way and to make sure that you're staying on top of everything. Mm-hmm. So I have absolutely fell into, you know, weeks or months where I'm just feeling like complacent and where things feel, you know, stagnant. And then as I'm sure, you know, then it's, you know, the next week, then it's completely different and mm-hmm. you're moving again. And you're not even remembering, you know, that, <laughs> that time that you were figuring out what you were doing next. 
So it's totally. just, it's a mixed bag creating your own content and getting it out there. But I'm, I'm quite, I'm quite content that this is, this is where I'm at in life, you know, as I'm, I'm sure it seems like you are as well and, and thriving doing what you're doing too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's fun seeing what you do. And I want to give people a picture about, of like your Instagram, like, so you have this Instagram account and from outside perspective, in the last few years, it seems to have sort of exploded. I don't know if that's just my outside perspective, but you have these videos that are hilarious, but then there's also these like massive truth bombs in them. And so like, what happened? <laughs> like, <laughs> what, happened like, what happened? And like, uh, why? Okay. and when did you start doing that? And yeah. when did you realize, oh, like, this is a thing, like people are paying attention you know, I I started doing them just out of boredom and out of irritation for uh, bad Christian comedy. That's the truth. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, and so Christian comedy is so lame. Yeah, and I mean, obviously there there are great you know comedians and and you know there are you know even John Chris. I think he's awesome. He's coming up. He's exploded, and I, and people love him, and that's great. Mm-hmm. But when when I was kind of getting into Instagram, you know there there wasn't a ton of that. And any kind of Christian comedy that I would see was so cheesy and so just dumb. And not that the person writing the joke was dumb. It was just like, come on, we can do better. And, mm. uh, and so I started kind of playing around with it. And I'm someone who like, if I make myself laugh, I will own the fact that I made myself laugh. I'm, <laughs> I'm okay with it. Like I'm not embarrassed that I think I'm funny every now and then. I, it took a long time for me to become comfortable somewhat in my skin. So mm. now that I am, I'm enjoying it. But uh, I think that, yeah, I was just like, you know, if I can come up with a funny way to, you know, engage with people that isn't going to make them sad afterwards or make them cringe while they're watching it or make them, you know, kind of get into a dark place, if I can mm. bring a laugh and with it some kind of genuine connection that makes a person feel like, oh, the, there's that, like, there's something behind this guy. It's not just mm. like jokes. There's, there's some oomph behind him. So even if like my, my earlier kind of videos that I did, I, I wasn't talking about my faith. I wasn't talking about really kind of anything. I was kind of more being um, observationalist and just talking about things that irritated me. Mm-hmm. And I think what happened that kind of changed that or shifted, you know, the kind of focus of it was that, you know, I moved to LA in about 20 or in about 2015. That's a great way to say that. I moved <laughs> in to- about 20 <laughs> minutes, I moved to LA. <laughs> I moved to LA in uh, 2015 and, you know, I was, I was going there to be a part of the groundlings, uh, you know, improv school. So Mm -hmm. I went there to train and, and did that for a year and uh, was really kind of just mowed over by in class even. And the way that we would do scenes, how quickly things would become so dirty or become Mm -hmm. so um, just kind of perverse or where language would be brought in. And it became kind of a challenge with me and the Lord, because I was like, I really want to be funny and funnier than a lot of mainstream. Okay, now here's another Christianese word for you, secular. That's what we say (laughs) for mainstream. But, you know, I can can be as funny as these people who, you know, are doing other Instagrams at that time. Vine was a big deal. And, uh, And so, and I can also just encourage them. So it started kind of shifting to where now I was kind of, I had more of a bone to pick with darkness in general. Mm. And I was living in the center of a lot of darkness. Now I have amazing, amazing family, friends in LA. And I mean, friends that have become family, but I also was just kind of inundated with a lot of darkness. 
And so it kind of became my sword to wield. And so I started trying to use it as a platform to say, hey, look, I'm not going to try to beat this over your head. I've got 15 seconds. You know, when I first started, it was 15 seconds. I was like, I can give you something encouraging in 15 seconds. Well, now Mm -hmm. I've got a minute. So now we're really going to do some work. Mm -hmm. And so I just kind of thought, well, if we're going to enjoy you know, a laugh or something, why not make it have a purpose? And why can't we use it to build community with each other and not have it be a divisive thing? Mm. So once I made that shift, then I think people started responding in a different way. Mm. What I love about what you said is, I feel that when I I love watching stand-up comedy. um, And I think it, I think comedy is one of the most difficult things to do because people are going in and they're like, make me laugh. Like (laughs) the entitlement to laughter, I think is so intimidating. (laughs) Well, and the prove me, it's, it's a, it's a prove me wrong mentality and it's a challenge. Mm. So people come in and, you know, over the past couple of years, I I started doing stand up a little bit and it's not my favorite thing because of that kind of mentality people are Mm. in. They they want you to win them over, but sorry, continue. No. Yeah. It's, I think I, I'm really intrigued by it and I'm, I just think it's fascinating, but it it reminds me of sort of like when you hear like, you know, potty, the potty jokes or like everything going like F this, F that. And some of it is funny. Sure. Um, oh my goodness. Let's be clear. Yeah, like, I laugh yes. like everyone else. Love a good dirty <laughs> joke. Who doesn't? But it almost seems like a cheap a, a cheap joke. Right. Or um, like I always think of how um, like watching Pride and Prejudice, mm-hmm. there's such like beautiful More, like yeah. sexual tension and chemistry between the main characters. And it's just through like a glance Mm -hmm. or a brush of the shoulder. And I'm like, that takes such intention and thought and brains to create a scene where you are communicating something, but that you're, you're keeping it, you're keeping it classy or whatever. And whereas like now it's like, well, we're just seeing naked people everywhere and there's no mystery. And Mm -mm. I think of that with comedy too. It's like, yes, that stuff is funny, but like, it's, it kind of seems like it might be more of a challenge to be like, all right, not only do I want to like keep this honoring and clean, but also I want to weave in a message. Like, right. That seems like an actual, that seems like a real challenge. <laughs> well, yeah. And I, I'm a little bit extra myself. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how in, uh, you are to the Enneagram or anything like that, but yes, uh, I but, am. I'm, but I'm a one. And for those of you out there who are, okay. who don't know about the Enneagram, I'm sure that you've heard plenty about it because everyone talks about it right now. Mm-hmm. But one, my personality type is, is known for kind of a drive towards perfectionism and, and kind of doing the most, I think sometimes. Mm. And so yes, that I, I feel like, Yes, it's doing the most. And it kind of became a thing to me where I was like, I want to win over the people that I do life with who may not Mm -hmm. respond to what I do online. Because that's, Mm -hmm. that's the other thing is that, you know, my life has kind of put me smack dab in between the church and in between, uh, you know, entertainment industry world. Mm -hmm. And so having a, a foot in both worlds and feeling like, hey, no, you can, you can actually come over here and have fun with me. And I promise it's safe. Like right. that has been uh, a real fun challenge to me, but it's been neat to see how, how the Lord is using it to just kind of, I don't know, bring some, bring some joy. Like, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, one thing that, I mean, that, that you brought that up just now, like one thing that surprised me about you after I did some light social media mm-hmm. stalking, um, is that it seems like you run in a crowd and are close to people that are really different than you that share different worldviews than mm-hmm. you that don't share your faith. 
but yet you are this like very like my one of my best friends I know like when she listens to this she's gonna be like oh that was a very religious episode like I know she's gonna you know (laughs) um so you you kind of like you are very Christian you're very Mm -hmm. open about what you believe about God what you believe about truth sure but yet you run with a, a community of people that may may or may not share that with you. Right. Like, what does that look like for you to sort of stay true to who you are mm-hmm. and also like do life deeply and love people that are really different than you? Like how can you like unpack that experience for sure. me? Uh, you know, for me, for me, my relationship even with the Lord or, you know, as, as people will think my relationship with, with religion uh, has really been birthed out of a place of relationship and friendship. And so mm. for me, you know, I, I really didn't kind of come into my own until I was 18 or 19. I was a pretty miserable kid and mm. was pretty lonely for a good chunk of my life. And, uh, and that's not even something that my family knew until recently. And when they read the mm. book, <laughs> you know, so, mm-hmm. uh, that, that's something that I kind of tried to hold to myself. But when I started kind of going out on my own and, you know, was going to college and, and was just getting to meet different people, there was no bit of, oh, I can't be friends with this person or I can't relate to this person because they don't believe or think like I do. That hasn't been in my DNA. It's just not mm-hmm. because I have never felt related to uh, mm-hmm. by, by the church on a large level. And so for me to not be able to relate or do life just on a relational level with someone that believes differently than me would be kind of hypocritical mm-hmm. uh, because I've been on the other side of that. And so to me, it's just really about friendship. I love people. And I, that's, that's a true statement. I know it sounds kind of trite or something that I can just throw away, but I really do genuinely love people and I don't do life on a topical level. And so it doesn't matter, you know, if you agree with me on, you know, where I'm coming from, as long as we're talking and we're talking about the real things and we have a real friendship and we're going mm-hmm. back and forth and, and there's an actual conversation going on there that's more than just, hey, how are you? Oh, I'm good. How's life been? Oh, it's good. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. I can't do that. And I can't yeah. do topical relationship. It's just not mm-hmm. a strong suit of mine. So mm-hmm. for me, it's just that I really don't change in whatever environment I'm in. I love to be about people and I can very easily go into a room and kind of turn off uh, any bit of agenda that I have. And that's just been something that I have been really intentional to do mm. because I, I find that loving people just for the sake of relationship is really the actual um, access point to people's hearts. Yeah. And so that's what I'm about. I'm not about trying to, you know, come in and change people's minds about what they think about this or that. I'm trying to love. And then if they experience in relationship with me, you know, something that they want to know more about, then we can have that conversation. Right. But right. I, I don't shy away from what I believe. I also, mm-hmm. you know, don't shy away from being real and authentic. And I think that, you know, when, when you walk that balance, you don't lose on either side. So, mm-hmm. you know, I've had to, at several points, kind of defend my more public relationships because they look so anti uh, you know, to everyone else looks so anti what I profess and what I live privately. But yeah. the truth is, is that it's really, it's just about relationship. And if Jesus were on the earth right now, I would be very content to have him come and watch and see how I do relationship. Yeah. And I think that we would be on the same page. Yeah. And so I, I have to look at that. And, um, and so to, 
to answer, you know, the balance that I ride, it's really just about trying to be authentic. And I'm not great, and I'm not, uh, you know, a holier than thou person at all. <laughs> and so I don't bring that into a room. So it's just not, it's never been a, a real thing, to be honest. I want to pause in today's episode to tell you about something I am so excited and passionate about. So for my single ladies, this one is for you. I just want to say I get it. Dating in today's culture can be a struggle fest. Do you ever feel like you're going to end up being a crazy cat lady watching Bachelor reruns, eating pirate booty all by yourself? I get it, girl. Let's face it. Dating can feel confusing, frustrating, isolating, and like a desert wasteland, but it doesn't have to be. I created a free resource guide just for you to support you in getting out there this year. It's called Six Tips to Activating Your Dating Life with Intention and Clarity. I truly believe that whether you've never been kissed or your last date was 20 minutes ago, this guide can support you in shaking things up and putting yourself out there in honoring and might I also say fun ways. These are the exact things I have implemented into my dating life over the last few years that have empowered me, given me clarity and propelled me into getting from my couch onto an actual date. So hold up. If you're married or already in a relationship, don't tune me out. I know you have some girlfriends in your life that would benefit from this. So whether you are married or you are a single girl ready to put yourself out there, go to bit.ly slash TRW dating. That's bit, B-I-T dot L-Y slash T-R-W stands for the refined woman dating. This is where you can grab your free guide, six tips to activate your dating life now. So ladies, let's get out there, shake things up and have fun. I am with you on the journey. Just when you thought the world's most comfortable shoe couldn't get any more comfortable, well, it did. Introducing the Allbirds Wool Runner 2, the next gen version of the legendary shoe that started it all. It's been refined, redesigned and completely redefined with more than a dozen upgrades. It delivers comfy all-day wear that's built for bliss, turning your cloud nine into a 10. Plus, they're made with sustainability in mind, so you can feel good with each step you take. Added cushioning that delivers a plush ride? Check. An ultra-cozy merino wool upper for a soft fit and feel? Check. Improved durability that offers lasting wear and comfort? Check, check, and check. Lace up a pair and check off next-level comfort, too, because when your feet are happy, the rest of you follows. Wherever you're headed, it's easy to keep up the pace when you wear Allbirds. Get yours at Allbirds.com and use code FRESH24 to score a free pair of socks with purchase today. That's a free pair of socks with purchase at allbirds.com code FRESH24. When you say that, I'm just so reminded of, I. it's humbling for me to admit this, but when gosh, this must have been like six, seven years ago, I went through an emotional intelligence training. Mm -hmm. Think like Tony Robbins, but it was like, not Tony Robbins, it was another company. Mm -hmm. And I went through this whole experience with like hundreds of men and women. And I was a part of this leadership program for six months. And it was all about like identifying the the narratives in our lives that are holding Mm -hmm. us back and finding out like where we need freedom and then like replacing those lies with truth. So a lot of like Christian values. Um, But in that process, I was so 
confronted with this idea that I had subtly believed like underneath a lot of layers that I don't know if I can really connect with people that are really different than me. Mm-hmm. So I was a Bible major in college. Mm-hmm. I worked at a mega church in Dallas. And then once I left college, I got into the nonprofit world and was instantly surrounded by atheists, agnostics, Mormons, um, Buddhists. The world, the like, real life. You were surrounded real by life. real life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think being from like Southern Christian culture, that mm-hmm. felt like, wow, like right. what is happening? And, <laughs> totally. uh, um, but I had this like subtle lie that I believed that like, I am, we are different and what we probably can't really be close because we view the world so differently. And it was through that training that I took all those years ago where I was just like, man, like God loves humanity. Mm-hmm. And if God loves humanity, like Genesis one, God created man and woman in his image and likeness and said it was good. Mm -hmm. And like, God doesn't create bad things. Then that means that he loves humanity. He loves his children. He loves his people. And there is beauty and gifting and calling and purpose on every single human being in this planet. And like, that's why we can all connect. Like God's going to reveal himself when he reveals himself. But Um, some of now, some of my like sweetest and most deep and honestly, like God centered relationships are with men and women that live very different lives than me that, that believe very differently than I do about who God is. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for the perspective they bring in my life for what they teach me about Jesus. Right. And, um, Yeah. So I just, I think there's this, like, I realized kind of in that experience that, you know, I was in my young twenties, just graduated from Bible school Mm -hmm. and I was confronted with, okay, all these people that don't believe in Jesus live way more like Jesus Mm -hmm. than all of my like, quote unquote, good theology, Christian folk back Mm -hmm. in Texas. And so I I wanted to talk to you. It's a tough thing to, yeah, that's a tough thing to to settle up, huh? Right. Cause it seems like there's this like disconnect between what we see in Christian culture versus like the ways of Jesus. Like totally Christians have like historically been like racist and judgmental yeah. and exclusive. Yet when I really look at the Jesus of the Bible, like he was always with the people that were ostracized on the outskirts and people loved being around him. Mm-hmm. And it's like Western evangelicalism seems to maybe be a little bit backwards in that way. Yes. Um, so I just want to know your thoughts on that and what your thoughts on like loving others well and yeah, just I, anything that I just said, if that resonates, like, yes. or if oh you my are, like that's total crap. Like, no. Oh yeah, no, you, oh, please. That was all, <laughs> that was all great. I'm, my mind's going a million different places. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, I think what you, what you said first and foremost about the disconnect between Jesus and what we see in the Christian church is, is a really important thing to, to focus in on for just a second. And it's not to put mm-hmm. down the church at all, because, you know, if we, if we, if we read the word, you know, Christ loves the church. I get to love the church. It's it's something that's important to him, so it's important to me. At the same time, I think that uh, it's easy once you go through you know a traumatic experience or um, or a life changing something, and and then on the other side of it, you end up in a relationship with Jesus to uh, quickly forget where you were when you met the Lord. And because Christian culture has kind of raised up. Uh, 
some thinking that isn't correct of, you know, well, my parents were Christians. And so, you know, I'm Christian kind of by proxy. And then we've kind of delineated and watered down just all of um, actual relationship with Jesus to being a title. Mm -hmm. And so I think that a lot of people don't actually walk in relationship with Jesus as much as they are in the church pews on Sunday and listening to, you know, the word and, and worshiping maybe, but not actually bringing that into their day in, day out life. Mm. Because it's difficult to me if you're, if you're doing an actual relationship with the Lord and, and you're, you know, trying to pursue your faith in that way, that you would feel as if you have any right to hold anything but love for other people. Mm. Uh, I, I find it difficult to read about who Jesus is and to he was on earth and to think that I have any right to be anything other than inclusive with people that I am hanging out with, with people that I am loving, with people that I am imparting wisdom to or you know just spending time with. Jesus hung out with a bunch of people that we would not in today's culture, you know, they wouldn't be the tax collectors or prostitutes back, you know, now, now we'd be okay with them more so because we've, we've already talked about that. Now it would be maybe, let's say Jesus is sitting at at dinner with, you know, any number of different groups who um, identify differently or are, you know, living in a way that may be counter what we believe to be right for our lives in the gospel. Now, that is where we get into kind of dicey territory because we're not ever supposed to be playing God or playing Jesus in any kind of way. Any kind of way. We're just supposed to be um, operating in his love towards people and in his truth. And so we kind of take on the role of God whenever we say, oh, well, no, I, you know, I, this person isn't going to relate to me and this person mm-hmm. can't receive from me because you know, they're going through this or I can't actually spend time with this person because you know, they actually have this thing going on in their life. And that could be dangerous to me, or that's not healthy. Mm-hmm. That's just not, that's not the gospel. And mm-hmm. we're, we're called to actually walk in hand with other people and to love people and to do relationship. And then in that relationship, health happens. And then Jesus comes in and actually reveals himself. But we're not supposed to be walking, you know, billboards shouting at people what they're doing wrong or, you know, how, how to live differently we're supposed to be loving people and then letting the Lord do the rest. I think that the real important thing is to remember that Jesus actually walked in relationship with people and that he wasn't walking into every room, you know, with an agenda. He was walking in the room just being who he was and people were drawn to him because of that. And I think that the church can sometimes confuse, you know, declaring what's true and letting other people know that you have found the answer or letting mm-hmm. people know that you found this amazing person, Jesus, there's a difference between that and then now taking that and saying, and because you haven't done this yet, then you're lesser than, or to make someone feel Mm -hmm. like they're lesser than, or to put it on them as though, well, I've already figured this out. So why do you need to go through the struggling or the contending to actually make this choice yourself when Mm -hmm. I've already gone through it? Just believe it for me. Mm -hmm. You know, we kind of take on the role of playing God and we were never asked to. Mm. We're supposed to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We're supposed to be the ones who are here on the ground showing people in our faces, in our eyes, and the ways that we smile and the way that we connect that God is love, that God is, is love and truth, and that he has an actual desire for a relationship with every person. 
Like we're supposed to be that. So if I think that I can withhold my relationship or my love from someone because they think differently than me, mm-hmm. then I've taken on the role of playing God. And I'm not trying to do that. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. That's such good, such good truth. Like we, th- there's actually in what you're sharing, there's so much freedom and permission and even authority to just be with mm-hmm. people. And I think that's what, that's what I long for. Like I look back at like my biggest moments of struggle or doubt or confusion. And it's the friends and family in my life that were with me in that. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily that they were not also unafraid to share with me hard truths at time, mm-hmm. but it was the people that were willing to be with me and right. love me as opposed to just pointing out where I was wrong and why they were right and creating like the us versus them mentality. There's so much more authority in being able to just walk with someone and to Mm -hmm. just be there and to be present and to not need anything, to not want Mm -hmm. anything other than relationship. And whenever you walk in consistency in that, you know, it can take years, months, however long it is. It, you build real equity with that person. Mm-hmm. Then whenever, you know, let's say your friend who thinks completely differently than you is going through a difficult time, they think back to the people who have been consistent, no different than you do when you're in a difficult spot. Mm-hmm. So it's, I think that sometimes we take ourselves as, uh, as Christians out of the race of just being in, fr- in friendship with people by, by not choosing to be consistent and not mm-hmm. choosing to, uh, you know, kind of, get over someone just because they're not willing to think the way we think or because they're not at the same place we are right now. Right. And really what that's saying is underneath that is I'm loving you with an agenda. I'm loving you because I want to change you, fix you, save you. I want you to be more like me. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's not love. Yeah. People can smell that ulterior motive coming from a mile away. Like Mm -hmm. if you have an agenda, that's why I think for, to be honest, I think a big chunk of why there's such a divide between mainstream culture and church has been the agenda of church. Mm, that's so and, good. And, and it's, it's difficult. That's a difficult thing for the church to hear and they get upset with mm. that. <laughs> but uh, in the same way, if, if we are the ones who know the truth, then we're responsible for it mm. and we're held to a higher standard. So I do hold the church to a higher standard. Yeah. What that reminded me of when you said that is years ago when I got into the nonprofit world, I, they made us read a bunch of books um, like White Man's Burden and stuff like that. And they, I, they gave us a PDF called To Hell With Good Intentions. Mm. And essentially it was all about this idea that intentions, you can have the best of intentions, but be massively wrong or manipulative or un, like, Mm-hmm. under-equipped or unprepared in the problem you're quote-unquote trying to solve. Like, right. i.e. that was for the nonprofit world. You have all these people who have good intentions of wanting to go to the third world or location X to save a people group. But if you don't have the right heart or if you're not equipped, or you could even be trying to do really good things and be creating a lot of damage. And right. so that's always stuck with me because I'm like, not only do I need to check my intentions, but is is what I'm doing effective? Is it right. honoring God, honoring the God image and the human next to me? Because 
no matter who we are, like if we're made in the image of God, that person has dignity. Am I honor right. that? Like it doesn't matter if I'm like, well, my intentions were good. I right. can have good intentions all day long and then those intentions also be harmful. I loved what you said. I was just listening to another podcast and, and they were talking about that whole idea that, you know, it doesn't matter if your intentions were great all the time. Like mm-hmm. there are times when your intentions actually don't matter because it wasn't received the way that you meant it to. So now you've got to clean up the fact that that person is hurt. It doesn't matter what your intentions were. It's not at play anymore. It's like, you know, we have to be more concerned about, um, about the way that, well, I don't even want to say about the way that we're being received because then we can get very much in our heads. And I've dealt with that too, of being Mm -hmm. like, how's this person thinking this or that? And then you just drive yourself insane. Right. But I think that there is an awareness of, okay, how would this make me feel? And it's, you know, it's the golden rule. So it's pretty basic in idea, but in practice, you know, do we really sit and think, how would this make me feel if someone were having a conversation about, you know, a difficult thing with me and they Mm -hmm. brought it up this way? Or -hmm. how would I feel if, you know, I don't see this person a lot and, and, you know, they come into a room and they see an issue and want to correct it you know, immediately. And, and we haven't, like, how does that make them feel? There are a bunch of different situations that I found myself in where, you know, I'm like, oh, I need to say something about this, or I need to correct this, you know, because every now and then you'll feel that need to be like, okay, but I love you too much to let you do that bad thing. Or I love you too much to not say something here. And the, the filter that I always run it through is, okay, how would I receive it? And, and what is the way that I could hear this, that I would know I'm loved in the middle of hearing this difficult yeah. thing. And so mm-hmm. it changes your strategy and the way that you communicate and actually mm-hmm. um, makes for a lot less wreckage afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And I think what you're saying too is like, be willing to take responsibility for how you're showing up. Sure. Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah, that may not have been my in- intention to patronize. Maybe I really wanted to try and love that person well, but if it didn't come across that way, then great. Like grow, like, like, let's, let's, I want, let me be better. Like help me to help me to love you well and really take responsibility instead of, well, that's that person's problem or they're just being dramatic or they don't understand or they don't know Jesus. They don't, they don't get me like that is it's, I think blame shifting and not taking responsibility for like how I'm, how am I showing up and how am I being orphan? of like God's heart to humanity and how am I honoring them or how am I honoring myself and others um, and God? Totally. Well, and you know, I had, I had an interesting experience a couple months ago where I, you know, I was, I was at this thing and, and I was with, you know, close friends and, and I kind of, I snapped at, at someone and, and I thought that I was in the right because in the moment I was correcting (laughs) and it was, was someone a lot younger than me and, and, I was like, I, I felt kind of justified in a little bit, like as I was doing it. And immediately it was as, it was as if the Lord like took me and put me in his shoes mm. and showed me what he was feeling and what I had just done. Mm. And I realized, oh, wow, I have just singled him out. I've just shamed him. I've just, and I, I just went through the list of everything I had just done by not being willing to be quiet when I should yeah. have been. And, uh, and I was thinking about it and he and I kind of got into it. And then we like, you know, went our separate ways. And then about 10 minutes later, I went back and I found him and I apologized for all of the different things that I felt like I had just done. Mm. And he was so surprised 
that I had come back to apologize. Mm. And, and I remember thinking in that moment, because I haven't found myself in that situation a lot, but I remember thinking, I don't ever want to be too big or too uh, convinced of my own position in any mm. room to not be willing to eat my own foot <laughs> and to yeah. say, I really messed up here. Because mm. what that did was it created more of a connection and more of a vulnerability and more of a place for us to actually have a real conversation. If mm-hmm. I had just, you know, put him off and, and treated him that way and been like, okay, well, Lord, you'll forgive me and walk on. And I just, you know, pray you'll get him. Like mm-hmm. if I had done that, then I, I miss a whole exchange that I got to have mm-hmm. by being willing to be vulnerable and to ask for forgiveness for something I truly did that was wrong. Yeah. And I'm not too big for that. And no one is, no one should be. Well, and as you, as you're saying the, like, I get this like self-righteousness in me. Like I'm, it's really beautiful and fun to be around. Um, But like I walk into them and I instantly see what could be better. Sure. And so I thought I was one on Enneagram because of that. I was Mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, like, well, so they just did this and they just did this and they just said, I'm right, obviously. Um, But then I also can do that with people. I walk into a room, I'm like, okay, if that person just broke up with that awful boyfriend, Mm -hmm. if she just would comb her hair, (laughs) you know, I'm right, you're wrong. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, like it served me really well in my business because I can be really attentive to detail, but it's also, it's a very exhausting quality Mm -hmm. in relationship. And, um, one of my dearest friends, bless her, bless her heart, but like not in a condescending way for like (laughs) how much she has put up with me and loved me well in this because she's really, she has challenged me. Like what's the price you're paying for being right. Mm. And it's relationship. Yeah. Like, because I can just get hell bent that I am right. The sky is blue. Right. Like I am right. You should not be dating that guy. He too like crap, like whatever the thing is where I can just feel so self-righteous and justified of like, well, no, like I'm going to call you out in public because I'm right. Right. Like, that's still my natural go-to. And maybe it's just the way I'm wired. I'm like, I've like, always been this black and white thinker. I love algebra because it's like black and there's like no medicine formula. I'm like, just give me slope all day long yeah. and I'll be great. Please, um, not geometry. Please, not geometry. No, oh my gosh, no. World, word problems? No, 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 no. But because word problems as in life and relationship, there's nuance and there's gray right. and there's mess. And so I've just been so challenged even by like what you just said about that interaction, like something in my mind where I'm like, man, I'm paying a price for being wanting to be right all the time. And that's not, A, it's not serving me. It's not serving God. And it's definitely loving other people well. Well, and I, you know, I think it's just something that we kind of tend to forget as being a real equity builder is to mm. ask for forgiveness. And we kind of run from it and we run from owning, you know, our bit of mess and because we do kind of just as humans in general, and then, you know, all of us have it to varying levels, but we do want to be right. And, you know, we have this innate desire to, to be righted. I think it's, you know, by the person of God, but I think that we're searching for that everywhere. So we're always kind of in defense of it and, you know, trying to have it. And it's like, when you can lay that down, mm-hmm. you're, I see it almost as you putting it in front of someone, because I think that we're all a lot more in tune than we may let on 
or a lot more aware and aware of how other people are feeling and aware of how they're making us feel. And I think that uh, when you go and ask someone and humble yourself in a way that it just takes any bit of fight out of a person being able to come back at you or to not believe that you're there for the right reasons. When you come back and you're like, no, I'm actually, I'm, I'm only here for the reason of relationship. I wouldn't be, you know, owning my mm-hmm. bit of this mess if I didn't love you because that I'm, I'm showing you that, yeah, I've got a lot of flaws, a lot of them, mm-hmm. and you just got to see a good slew of them. So mm-hmm. thank you for loving me. Mm-hmm. You know, people don't know what to do with that because mm-hmm. that's so anti mainstream. It's so anti the world we live in right now. Yeah. But it's powerful. Yeah. Uh, Kavanaugh, there's, I literally have 10 more questions that I'm like, I want to keep going. (laughs) We've almost been talking an hour. Um, So good first blind date. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a great first blind date. (laughs) Um, So just before we kind of wrap up, like the kind of last thing I wanted to ask you is, you know, with your, you're an author now, like, first of all, congratulations. Like I, I want to acknowledge you because writing a book is something that people say their whole lives. I'm going to write, I'm going I'm to write, I have it all in my head. I have all, you know, mm-hmm. but it's, it's really, really hard once you start doing it. So mm-hmm. I just want to acknowledge you for going through the process and it's beautifully written. I can't wait to finish it halfway through. Um, but if there was one thing that you wanted to communicate with the world through higher power has a name, mm-hmm. what would that be? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, the, the one thing, yeah, I, you know, if you can't tell by, by listening for the last hour, <laughs> I definitely do believe that higher power has a name. I believe that his name is Jesus. So, you know, that's, that's kind of the, the, the little, you know, bait that I give up front for people that may still kind of be in the lane of saying, oh, well, you know, I believe in a higher power. Mm-hmm. I think that the one thing that I really want people to catch is that there is just a very real God who wants relationship. And that relationship and friendship uh, are kind of the center of what we believe about who God is and who Jesus is to us. And, and so I, I want people to take away that they are wanted, that they mm-hmm. are loved, that they are seen, that they are understood, that there's someone who gets them, that there's someone who's not bothered by them, there's someone who isn't worried about everything that they're going through right now in a sense of trying to fix it, but just being with them in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, People are not alone. And right now more than ever, and, and I've, you know, seen it kind of in my own life at different points that, that people are really isolated and struggling in isolation and feeling like the thing they're going through, you know, only they understand. Mm -hmm. And it's just not the case. Like I love people and we all have, same struggles. We have the same fights and there's no reason, not one for someone to walk through this life feeling alone. So Mm -hmm. if through this book, people can feel seen, that's, that's a a huge win for me. That's what I would really love to see happen. But more than anything, I want people to know that, uh, there's real relationship out there for them, real friendship that changes your life. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm walking it out myself and, and seeing it in my own life. And, and I, I hate that, that, that I'm ending on such a Christianese kind of thing, but no. it's just the truth. It's just the yeah. truth. It's, it's yeah. not Christianese for me to say that it's my life. I would be dead. I would be so many different. I could be so many different places than I am. 
but the Lord wanted relationship with me. And so now I get to walk in that and from that place with other people. And so I hope this book is an extension of that experience. Well, I would say it definitely is. And um, yeah, I'm just grateful for your time. I'm grateful for your silly Instagram videos um, and even more so your heart, your heart for God and your heart for people. So um, yeah, thank you so much for being willing thank to talk you. with me and be on the podcast. And My goodness, um, thank you. <laughs> where just final thing is where can people follow you, find you? How sure. can they buy your book? Yes. All the things. So, uh, yeah, so follow me on Instagram. Like Kat was saying, that's kind of my, my main hub where you can see me more. But then if you want to get the book, uh, you can just get it on KavanaughJames.com or you can go to BarnesandNoble.com. You can go to Amazon, Books A Million, kind of online, anywhere you would go to, to, to buy a book. Awesome. So, yeah, follow me there. And then uh, I have a blog on my website that I'm, I'm starting to update. But Kavanaugh James on Instagram is a, is a great start place. Love it. Well, thank you, Kavanaugh, for your time and just bless you. I can't wait to see like what is in store for you because it's, I know, only like beautiful and good and epic things. Well, thank you, Kat. That means a lot. Yeah. All right. Excited to see this podcast grow and grow. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. All right. Well, I'll talk to you soon. All right. Talk to you later. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Refined Collective Podcast. I want you to know that this project of mine is such a labor of love and it wouldn't be possible without you, without your support, without your encouragement, without your feedback. So if you have a minute and you are enjoying this podcast, if you are an avid follower, or maybe this is the first episode you're listening to and you loved it, go to iTunes search the Refined Collective Podcast and subscribe. And if you're feeling even some extra love, I would love to ask you to write a review for us. Now, this helps us get to more eyes, to get to more people. It kind of acts as like an SEO for podcasts. So if you have a minute, go find us on iTunes or on your podcast app, search the Refined Collective, subscribe, and rate and review us. It would mean the world to us. Next, if you are new here, maybe you've listened for a long time and there's topics, questions, comments, concerns that you have about what we're up to, follow us on Instagram, The Refined Woman. Send me a DM and I will get back to you and let me know what you want to hear about. Let me know what you want to talk about. And I would love to make that happen for you. Have such a fabulous day. (laughs) Bye.